<laughs> you thought we were done for. You thought we were putting in a Welcome back, bitches! This is the Monstrous Connection Podcast Season 2! Ah, let's fucking go! Metal News all day and funny opinions! Take it or leave it! We will leave it with a grain of salt! Sugar-coating! It's for creepies! Kick us out as... Welcome back to the Monsters Connection Season 2, Episode 2. How's your night doing, Devin? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. It feels like no time has passed since the last time we recorded an episode. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, I want to talk about uh, a recent... Um, band that I discovered called Bone Crew. Uh, I had no idea that this was Franz from Attila's side project, but he features a, a very, very, very talented rap artist. So they flip-flop uh, with the different styles, and I just love how... Um, or I understand why people don't like Franz as a person, but he is one talented dude, and lyrically, to me, he's actually funny, and I don't care if that makes me sound like I am still in high school. I can't stop laughing to, like, all of their songs. <clears throat> I agree. I mean, like, I used to not really care for Attila, and then as I'm getting older, I've started to listen to him more just because they're more upbeat. And, yeah, uh, you know, like even with, you know, like electric call- cowboy. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, that's the other thing, too. Like you can get into um, basically like comedy themed metal and comedy themed metal is becoming more and more popular as I'm seeing bands like electric cowboy. When Hypa Hypa first came out, my first reaction to it was I didn't, um, I, I couldn't comprehend if it was good or bad. Like I was just confused. And then I just, I, I, I saw the videos and what they were doing, like how funny they were being and how they didn't give a shit and didn't take themselves too seriously. And I just got fucking hooked. Like I got, I listened to Hypa Hypa over 600 times. We got the moves of my, uh, most played song in 2021 and 2022. Like I freaking love Electric Cowboy. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's just like and then you can talk about bands like Broja or um Attila, which we already mentioned. Um but yeah, I think comedy metal is a good way to relieve stress. Um it helped me a lot during the pandemic just because it was like it was such a depressing time and I felt like the world needed a band like Electric Cowboy because for me that was my distraction. It wouldn't be different to anyone who was go home and watch like a comedy movie or something like that on Netflix, you know? I agree. I mean it's it's very upbeat. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> the, the next topic I want to talk about here is uh, Kingdom of Giants. And I slept on this band for years. And then uh, they recently did come out with a song called Wasted Space. And I got to say, this song is just, it's got everything that I love about metalcore into one package. And it is beautifully done. Like, it's a very talented, well-orchestrated, well-thought-out, well-planned song. And it's a 10 out of 10 banger. <laughs> I agree with that. They uh, they definitely made good use of the empty space in the music. And that's the other thing, too. Because um, if you even take, like, a... Like, if we're talking about a pause uh, pre-breakdown, for instance, that extra five-second pause could be used as, like, a what's-going-to-happen signal prior to a breakdown. But we all know what's going to happen. It's just usually, like, how is it going to sound, you know? Yeah, they definitely tease us a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. The verses, the verses were really well-written. Uh, well, everything and it's 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 one of those bands too yet again like i mentioned veil of maya in our last episode uh but it, it's one of those sounds that i'm hearing coming from a vocalist where it's hard to imagine it is one person the other person that comes into mind is Noah sebastian from bad omens and i love 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 the new Bad Omens album, uh, The Death of Peace of Mind. I think every song there took me a really long time to actually understand what, like, the talent behind what they're actually doing. Like, all of the songs are going to be hard for someone to listen to if they prefer primarily unclean vocal styles because this record has a shitload of songs with just really high-ranged uh, cleans in it, but it's all so well thought out. And then, but when he comes in with those screams, it's just like the very rare times that he does do that. He is got a fucking set of pipes on him. <laughs> I agree. Like even I'm burnt out on that one song that just plays constantly on the radio. But any other Bad Omen song, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And uh, going to uh, bands that might be blowing up in the scene. Uh, one that I wish was talked about more in MC actually is uh, Sleep Token because they're doing something interesting. And I was actually uh, driving around today listening to Chokehold by Sleep Token. And in the, in the car with my fiance, I <clears throat> rolled up my sleeve and I'm like, wait for this. So as soon as the chorus hit, I got goosebumps. Every time I hear the chorus to Chokehold, I instantly get goosebumps. And it's said that goosebumps is caused by uh, an unexpected sound you are not expecting to hear what's going on and it actually is i believe some sort of um, a dopamine release or something just like that like you actually get excited and going back in time uh what made me want to start metal vocals in the first place actually is i heard a 10 second long scream in a song that i was listening to back in high school and it sent goosebumps up my arms and I just was like, okay, I gotta learn how to do this right now. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Sleep Token, a lot of people hate on them, but... Rightfully so, I mean... They really push the envelope. They're peeking in the envelope a little bit with their music, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I think people really have to be... I, you know what I think of Sleep Token and what, why I think people should give them a shot is because I feel like they are a band that is appealing to 
several different generations of metalheads. This is something that I can show my mom and she's going to like. This is something that I can show to uh, maybe uh, someone my age. It's someone I can show uh, that's maybe 10 years younger than me. This is a wide range audience band um, that is going to probably become as big as Ghost in the next couple of years if they continue doing what they're doing. I just see them as, you know, a gatekeeper band. You know, like, you know how Metallica is right now? You know, like, everyone listens to Metallica. Even if it's their yeah. stuff, even if it's their newer stuff, everyone listens to Metallica. And it's just, they're pushing, like, screaming and stuff into those audiences that, you know, normally wouldn't listen to metal and stuff. You know, like, when you listen or you hear someone say Five Finger Death Punch, you get all cringy and stuff. <laughs> you know, like, I have yep. some songs by them. There's some songs I don't enjoy, but at the end of the day, you know, they're doing something to promote music in a different way than everyone else in metal's doing. See, I'll tell you one thing though, Devin. I'm one of those people that doesn't listen to Metallica. <laughs> this is the thing that people don't realize too. When we're talking about generation gaps, like I, 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 I owe a huge grateful respect and a huge amount to Iron Maiden because if I didn't hear Run to the Hills back when I was in grade eight, then this is how long it took me to get into heavy metal. Like, if you would have asked me if in grade seven what my favorite music was, I would have said like Backstreet Boys or InSync. <laughs> like, no joke. So I heard Run to the Hills and I was like, what is this? I love this sound. And I just got hooked. And then it was like from Iron Maiden to Cannibal Corpse to Behemoth to Aim on a Marth, Arch Enemy, Lava God, list goes on. And now my tastes. It's ever since, like, probably 12 years ago or however long ago, you know, like, it's it's just changed. And I still will go by the fact that I prefer metalcore, but if I didn't start off, and I still, you know what, I'm going to admit it right now, I make fun of black metal all the time, but I learned how to scream by doing black metal vocals. Like, my biggest starter bands to listen to were Jimmy Borgir, and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> a lot of hair metal bands. So like Guns N' Roses, Poison, you know, like just the 80s era. And then, you know, like I slowly worked my way up to like, oh hey, I like Alice in Chains. And, you know, <laughs> and then just slowly, then I got introduced to All That Remains and it was over. I was just metal, metal core all the way. Yeah, and that's what I'm starting to realize. It's these uh the people that are going to be coming to shows are younger generations. Uh, people that are smart in this industry are people like Franz because they understand what is going to appeal to a younger crowd. Um, you're not going to find 30 year old musicians like myself going to shows every Friday. Uh, that's just not happening. Uh, so you know, metalcore and is in my mind still the most popular subgenre currently uh, next to deathcore I think I don't think deathcore is really that popular yet really it's picking up but you know like there's a lot of groups but you go in there and look at the groups and it's maybe you know like a thousand people in it yeah you go to like a metalcore exclusive group and you see like at least 5,000 or more yeah it's, well that's true different tastes and like i love old deathcore but like the newer stuff coming out i'm i don't know it's it's a touchy 
Well, there's a there's only a few select deathcore bands that I will say kick the like blow every other deathcore band out of the water, and it's actually a classification of deathcore referred to as new deathcore. Um, Aaron Matz, from, he's the old betraying the martyrs vocalist. He's in a new deathcore band called 1056, and every time I hear 1056 songs, I feel like swinging by myself in my basement, like because it's kind of like one of those songs you. Can like hit a punching bag to every goddamn second because it just goes so fucking hard. Um, another one too that I can think of is Spite. Spite is incredibly talented and the variety of his vocal set is like insane. Not only can he fry scream, false chord, uh, do tunnel throats, like it's just there it seems to be a lot of spite songs where he doesn't even give himself like a second of air to breathe. And it is very, very challenging to actually cover spite songs just in general because of what's going on, like vocally and how fucking crazy fast and no like his endurance is through the roof. <laughs> See, I feel like the deathcore, you know, genre itself is, it used to be more like metalcore. If you go back and listen to older deathcore, you know, it's a very thin line between, you know, As I Lay Dying and As Blood Runs Black, for example. You know, they both do, you know, verse riffs, and then there's a chorus where metalcore has, you know, the cleaner style of it with singing, and then deathcore still has some screams in it, but they're more growly yelling vocals and the actual screams. Yeah. No, that's true. And it's changed, you know, in the newer ones. You know, like, the only deathcore band I listen to regularly is probably Within Destruction, just because... No, uh, their guitar is pretty wild. Yeah, like, the guitars are actually doing something. Like, 90% of deathcore now is just chugs and, you know, synth going on. I agree. It, uh, I've watched like the guitar playthroughs of just within destruction, and it's like whoa! Like it's almost like the same experience of feeling again watching buried alive videos. It's like okay, there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, but one thing I uh, do want to talk about briefly here too is. Uh, Concert experiences that relieve stress and connect and unite people. And not only that, how metal in general is actually a catharsis. So, what is a catharsis? A catharsis? A catharsis? A catharsis. <laughs> I can't talk right now. Uh, is essentially relief of stress under high-pressured, stressful situations. Um, and so I can have the absolute worst day of my life, come home, scream in my microphone, and then go all about happy listening to probably Cardi B or something like that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> there is an actual science behind this and I'm starting to get it because not only is metal something that can cause goosebumps, can relieve stress um, it is something that can clear your mind and put you in a positive, happier headspace overall yeah, I agree with that 
and concert experiences like I'm someone now at my age where I might go to a concert once every six months or so now because um, things are expensive number one and number two uh, there's not a lot of shows that come to my city that I really care to watch unless I really really need to see them so when I do get a chance to go it's the live experience is something like for instance I just saw a day seeker here and I saw what I something I've never seen at a show before where uh, the vocalist was saying everyone pull out your phones everyone knew what to do they just shot like showing their flashlights into the crowd or waving them around how smart is that because how many people have phones in their pockets as opposed to lighters you know what I mean yeah I mean they've been doing that for a little bit but I agree with that Oh man, I've been, I, that tells you how often I'm going to shows. <laughs> I mean, I've been to like uh, what? What was that band? Uh, I can't think of. I mean, pop punk bands do it all the time, uh, and that was like three years ago that I went to see them. Okay, Newfound Glory is what I'm think, thinking of. Okay, right on. Yeah, dude busted out a whole Frozen outfit just for that show. Uh, well, that's yeah, that's crazy. I um, so uh, do you have any opinions of Avenged Sevenfold at all, Devin? <laughs> oh boy! Uh, so the newest song. Have you listened to the newest song, or have you just? I got forty nine seconds in. Yeah, so that was. <laughs> so apparently, the whole thing was AI generated, other than the solo, and. If you listen to it, you just kind of wonder what's going on because it sounds like a Vince Sevenfold, but it doesn't really quite sound like them. And I don't like it. And then you get to the solo and you're like, what the hell is going on, dude? Sinister's just shredding away. Yeah. Well, that's a touchy subject. Thank you for bringing it up because... (laughs) I, maybe a year or two ago, I was so desperate to be in sort of some sort of a project. So I uh, got a bunch of, um, what are they called? Virtual MIDI instruments to try and compose a solo gen project that you don't even have to know what happened to it. It just imploded because I don't know music theory. Um, So there's that, right? Uh, And I I think when you're thinking about things, though, um, AI, just in general, um, a lot of people are going to have mixed opinions on it on a lot of things uh, when you're referring to an AI generating poetry or lyrics or um, AI generated artwork and stuff like that. I think, and this is my personal opinion, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get probably shit on for this, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> my personal opinion is if you're gonna use AI, like the rules of mixing and mastering that I mentioned before, it better fucking sound good or pleasing to the ears. Because I'm not someone that's gonna be opposed to listening to something like his EDM, for example. I actually enjoy some dubstep. Now, the thing that I would like Avenged Sevenfold to do is I would challenge them to play that solo live. And if they can play it live, then I don't care that the song is AI generated. Um, oh, so he, he he played the solo. Oh, okay, so it's just a shitty mix that situation then. Everything else is just AI. <laughs> so why would they AI it then if they can play it? I don't understand. I don't know either. Uh, I just that's just what I've read about it. 
That's confusing. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, I don't know what the fuck Avenged Sevenfold's doing now. It doesn't sound good. I got 49 seconds in, man. I couldn't do it. And it, it's the vocals. It's so dad rockish. It's so like, yeah, we're gonna drive in our trailers. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry if I just burst everyone's eardrums. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> like that Metallica hell yeah stuff uh, there's only one dad rock band that I will ever give credit to and I, it's not even a guilty pleasure it's actually a serious pleasure of mine but Clutch have you ever listened to them I have not okay uh, I will send you a link to x-ray visions after this <laughs> I'm done <laughs> let's go with some dad rock yeah you know like you're allowed to cherry pick your favorite songs or your favorite styles of music you're allowed to explore I don't think it's wise of people to always love everything that everyone is making all the time because just last night uh, my fiance texted me what do you think of the new bring me the horizon song text her back got 30 seconds in. <laughs> I mean, I think it's good to be open-minded, but at the same time, like, don't don't feel bad if you don't like something. It's it's natural. Yeah. Everyone has you know things they dislike, but don't hate something until you try it. Oh well, that absolutely a hundred percent. I actually love 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 a lot of Bring Me the Horizons newer stuff even, but I just didn't like that song that they put out. So what I would suggest to people, especially if they're in the cherry picking mindset, is instead of basing their opinions on albums generally, why don't people start basing their song interests on songs that they prefer the most and make the best playlist that they could ever imagine for? Because that's exactly what I've tried to do with certain playlists. Um, not only does Spotify have this cool enhanced feature if you are uh, paying for Spotify Premium, but uh, what that does is it it suggests excuse me songs to you that are affiliated with the type of music that you've already put in. So I actually think that, yes, if you want to build killer playlists, you should pick your favorite songs. And you don't have to love everything, but yes, absolutely give something a listen at least one time before dismissing it. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, with, with a lot of stuff like that, uh, always check out the whole album, especially if it's a band you love and they're releasing something new and, you know, maybe oh, yeah. an album before. They could be trying something new and just trying to iron it out. Then, you you know, you hear the ironed out version, you're like, wow, that's a yeah. improvement. Well, I... Uh... <clears throat> I can think of one band, uh, Wage War, where I have, I loved, um, their previous album before Manic. Uh, Pressure, sorry, I had to think about that for a second. I loved Pressure, like through and through, loved that album. And then I listened to Manic, and I maybe liked like 60 to 70% of it. I wasn't sold on every song, but I still listened to the album several times before making those calls. I mean, with that album, there was a lot of controversy just because, you know, he started, the the main vocalist who does a screaming started doing like a cleaner style of vocals and even with the song manic you know there's a lot of edm production going on in that and it just it was a very weird thing for someone who's expecting metal to hear and you know after listening to it a bunch i love the song just because you know when they done it they done it right they just slapped it on a on an album with a bunch of metal, so it was very weird. <laughs> That's how I felt about Spirit Box's Rotoscope at first. When I first heard Spirit Box's Rotoscope, I was like, oh, this sucks. They're making a 
they're becoming a pop band. Now I probably listen to like Rotoscope so many fucking times that when I actually, I think there's, I can't remember the name of this uh, AI generated. Um, software online but if you type in uh spotify ai bashing your taste or something like that it'll come up with this one and rotoscope was put in there it's like and the question that the ai asked me was um do you seriously listen to rotoscope by spirit box and i was but it was thrown in there in the ai system because i listen to spirit box this rotoscope so many times So we we can get into discussions about algorithms too, but um, when you play a song, like another song example of one that I did not like at all at first was Electric Cowboys' uh, Hurricane. I didn't under, I didn't uh, not understand it. I I was like I fucking hate this. What are they trying to do? And then I probably had to listen to it like twenty times before I'm like, okay, I get the joke now. <laughs> But that's something for artists to keep in mind too, especially up and coming artists. Like if you want to catch people, you got to catch them in that first 30 seconds or like the first, you know, 15 seconds. You want them to hear the song and be like, okay, this is bopping. And then, you know, like after you've been doing it for a bit, you know, it's okay to, you know, experiment with your sound, but be consistent. Yeah. You know, and, you know, do small improvements or small, small changes. Don't just completely change your sound all the time because then you're confusing your audience a bit. Yeah, there should be like a, a general foundation sound, but once in a while it's good to explore and expand because, yeah, if we're talking about Electric Callboy again, what were your thoughts? Did you listen to Callboy? No, I haven't. I'll check that one out too. Yeah, check it out because that's another weird one with all clean vocals in it and not only is it... Uh, Electric Callboy playing in it as well. Um, fuck, I feel like an idiot. I cannot remember the name of the band. I'm going to embarrass myself right now, but uh, it's two bands playing at the same time, and it, they just they killed it. Huh. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, it's it gives you kind of nostalgic feelings if you watch the music video. Um, so, uh, what else did you feel like talking about here, Devin? Uh... So, have you heard Black Dahlia Murder with, you know, like, Brian doing the vocals instead of Trevor? To be honest, no. <laughs> I, uh, I, and this is my, I, I'm not, like, someone that's going to, like, I'm just, I've never been into Black Dahlia Murder for some reason, and it was never, like, that I thought that the Black Dahlia Murder wasn't talented in the style that they're doing. I just was never, it never clicked with me. So, I'm not saying that I won't listen to the new songs. I just, I, number one, I lose track and I sleep on a lot of music that I should be listening to. Like, there's, there's tons of bands that I follow and it's hard to lose track of it. So, if it's something that I didn't listen to previously, I'm not gonna, you know, be able to find that information as fast as I normally would. So, if you want to send me the link, I can let you know what my thoughts are on the next episode. I thought maybe they'd release some because, like, they announced it what half a year ago. Because unfortunately, things happened with the band. Yeah, and you know, I'll, I'm kind of waiting to see what comes out of it because. Oh, so they don't have any new like vocal tracks with this new vocalist on it yet? Uh, so it it was the rhythm guitarist before, and he done backup strings. And you know, like when Trevor was doing recording stuff, I believe he was the one doing like the lows and stuff. 
then when they done it live, Brian would do the lows behind Trevor doing the highs. Oh, so we've already heard his vocals then. Yeah, I'm just waiting for like a, a recording of it to come out and see like what. The oh, well, that's exciting. And it's exciting because Brian Knight came back to the band as well. Okay. And he's a very talented guitarist. Well, I will keep my eyes peeled for that then, um, because I, like I said, majority of the time I don't listen to deathcore. It's not that I won't listen to deathcore, but I will always keep an open mind to suggestions. So I will definitely check that out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like even their older stuff, uh, like the the green album. Let me remember what it is. Ritual. Ritual is probably my favorite album personally. Okay. Nocturnal has some really good hits on there. Uh, also, I think it's Nightbringers. Yeah. You'll have to send me some links. Yeah, I can do that after here. I, I think uh, the, the serious issue that might be hard for people to discuss is that all of this is mental health related in the case of the Black Dahlia murders. So um, it's an unfortunate reality if we're thinking about bands like Linkin Park, for example, where the same situation happened. And I'm not going to get into details with it, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, it's like um, there will never be another Chester Bennington. He lived up to a legacy. He brought a legacy to the world, and so did. The, the vocalist from the Black Dahlia Murder and uh, music connects people it actually influences people so it's actually it's kind of sad to think about when you think about how someone like Chester or uh, how the Black Dahlia Murder has actually changed people's lives and maybe you know that's why fans are so important in every genre too because listening to music is so, such a powerful thing that you're actually able to connect with people on a daily basis if they love your music they love your style they love your sound and they continue to listen to your music over the years, that you have given someone the feeling that you got growing up as a child or a teenager or whatever. I agree. Yeah, music is powerful. <laughs> I didn't mean to get all serious there, but I, I think we all, I think something might have had to have been said. Uh, it looks like we, do we have time for like one more discussion or? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. What do you want to talk about, Devin? <laughs> talk about like studio production and you know like, yeah sure so uh on your end like do you ever have any problems with production in what sense like i mean you record a lot of vocals uh i mean do you ever have problems with it or like recording wise or yeah just in general uh like <laughs> if, if we're talking about covers then it has to be something that I've listened to probably about a few hundred times to fully do a full take of it. Like, I think I probably jammed to Artificial Suicide by Bad Omens over, like, 50 times at least before the song got stuck in my head and I knew I could do a decent job at it. Um, if I do smaller segments in covers and the style of doing a vocal cover, for instance, um, it would just be either, A, I am uncomfortable at the current moment of expanding in a lot of cleans publicly right now. Um, so there, I have to make sure that my tonality is there if I want to try to even match pitch on certain clean songs. So more recently, I did like a 30-second uh, breakdown from Beartooth's Sunshine um, because I could only do a certain section of the song, and that song fit the sound of it. Now, if you're someone out there who is looking for an instrumental track and you happen to be a vocalist of any kind, I highly recommend 
recommend uh, learning how to download um, video files from YouTube and converting them to MP3s. All I do simply is I go to YouTube and I type in, uh, say, for example, Beartooth Sunshine Karaoke. Now, there's one karaoke channel I will give a huge shout-out to. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it. It's called Core Karaoke. It is the best way to get instrumental tracks because before in the past, what I would do with things is I would strip the uh, vocal layer and audacity. And now what that did is it ruined the instruments. Now I can't even look at covers I made maybe a year and a half ago because I just discovered all this uh, knowledge now because I am not someone that knows how to play an instrument. I can't just pick up a guitar and make a song sound good. You know, there has to be uh, some sort of instrumental that goes with it. Now, if we're talking about uh, originals and stuff like that, um, that's a different ball game because that's something that I feel like needs a lot of patience and maybe people don't realize that it's something that... Um, it's a lot of work. I think the biggest thing with that is just understanding music in general. Like, just understanding how it works, at least with the major scale, and, you know, like, learning about how music theory works and, you know, applying it to writing and, you know, thinking about other instruments that are going to be going along with what you're playing. Because if you just throw a bunch of stuff down on guitar and you're not thinking about what drums are going to be behind it or the bass or, you know, what vocal tracks are going to be on it, then yeah. you just got a bunch of notes. Well, that's the thing. You're someone uh, who's a producer yourself, so you understand, you see the greater picture of things. You can pick up those details, but that's not something that would have been learned overnight. You have years, I'm sure, of experience um, learning this stuff as well. I've just watched a lot of people do it and, you know, picked up what, you know, what seemed best to learn. And if somebody had a bad habit, then I would make sure not to, you know, pick up the bad habit myself or learn how to do it a little better. Yeah. And this goes hand in hand with the constructive criticism thing as well, too, because, um, even as a vocalist, uh, from my perspective, number one, I don't think that every single band out there has to have vocals in it. I listen to Polyphia. I listen to a lot of instrumental jazz. Number two, I, in the past, I used to say, crank the vocals, crank the vocals, and then I took away from the instruments. Now, like, make sure it's even and balanced because, um, you don't want them to be underpowered, but you want them to stand out just enough. Uh, you know, and, um, you also as a musician, and this doesn't apply to just vocalists too, but there's a lot of egotistical people in this industry that think that they know everything, uh, that they are the best at everything and it's there where the high went. Well, that mentality is where you stop growing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And just something that's helped me out too is just instead of putting everything on one track, um, I just split them all for section to section. Yeah. So, you know, like to where I can turn up or down stuff that need to be heard more on that section. Yeah, and that's, again, going back to the remote band project, um, which is like remote remote things I feel like are going to become more popular in the next coming years um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with someone being in a solo jet project or anything like that uh, Andromeda, don't know if anyone has ever heard of them uh, One Piece Project he's now I think uh, featuring several vocalists there's also uh, Ninjento I believe is a one man project instrumental but they cover a lot of Nintendo but it's gent, it's awesome 
Dang. Yeah, send me a link to that one too. <laughs> a lot of yeah, Nintendo will make Pokemon and like Zelda and Mario Kart and Donkey Kong and like probably I think even like Sonic the Hedgehog songs, but it's all jazz. It's it's pretty interesting. Oh, I've heard those. I I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, man. It's so cool. It's unique. And so these things are gonna, gonna become more normal in the next years. I, I feel like they are. Um, you know, I, I, I can't see, like, the amount of money it's gonna cost to be an independent musician is, it's a very hard thing. And now when we look at projects and remote projects, um, you have to also be kind of someone that maybe be, is someone that is decent with computers and technology. Because if you're recording, uh, across the border or you're recording across the seas, you have to understand, um, how to work with someone and you also, there has to be, you have to know a little bit about DAWs at the very least. <laughs> I think the biggest thing when it comes to produ- producing at home is understanding what you need and what you can and can't get away with. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of money on your equipment. But if you're, oh, absolutely. If you're just buying anything and everything that you think will, you know, make you better or make you sound better, but you're still not hitting that sound, then you know, you got to take a step back and kind of think, what do I actually need? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give a huge shout out to the Sure SMB, Sure SM, Sure SM7B. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> because the Sure SM7B is probably the most standard, high quality microphone for metal vocals I have ever seen. And you can get further into it with VST compressors. And my favorite VST compressor is something known as gain reduction. Every single cover I've ever done, I use it. It is beautiful um check those things out if you want to be in a remote project or you take your covers and your art form very seriously and you're at a professional level i highly suggest at least investing into maybe a you know i I would say i wouldn't have spent more than probably like well my my gear being a vocalist is probably at least for the recording side of it i'd have to say my recording gear is like under a thousand dollars yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're also only doing vocals. <laughs> I know, right? The advantages to being a vocalist, everyone. You got the cheapest amount of gear. <laughs> For me, it's, it's probably around like I don't know, three grand. Yeah, see, that's that's pretty up there. I built up slowly. I didn't just go out and buy everything in one day. Yeah, I want to produce. Like I slowly learned and you know tested stuff out, got rid of what I didn't like, and then you know bought more stuff that I ended up did liking. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, did you want to talk about anything else quickly here, Devin? Or uh, I think that pretty much covers it for this time. Unless you want to talk a little bit about bass. Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about bass. I mean, that's very important in production. We were kind of talking about that song before, the uh, the Kingdom of Giants song. Oh, yeah. They really took advantage of it. And, you know, like those verses that I was kind of mentioning. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, they were letting the bass ride out, and they were doing, like, some some synthy stuff behind the vocals, too. And, you know, the drum was beaten, too. But the bass was really the one holding all that together. 
you hear that guitar players let your bassist have a bass solo and shine for a moment. <laughs> now, I wouldn't say a bass solo. No. <laughs> but no, the verses and stuff. And you know what? Yeah. It's important to be in key, too. I mean, a lot of basses will come in and, you know, it's important to know your stuff and it's important what's going on with everyone else. I was talking about this from the guitar standpoint, from the, but from the bass standpoint, you're, you're the connection between the drums and the guitar. You gotta, you gotta be even more connected than the guitars. Yeah. And I know drummers work hand in hand with bass a lot too. Um, but, uh, I actually do have a bass guitar now, but, uh, the, my brother got this at an auction and offered to ship it to me, which he was very generous to do. So thank you, Chad. Uh, uh, anyways, Oh yeah, Chad. <laughs> um, I got this bass guitar, but who, the person that owned this thing previously did not know what they were doing. There's a horrible paint job on the back. I have to take it to a, a shop to get it fixed. Uh, but what I want to do is I want to sand it pretty soon and I want to hydro dip it. And if you don't know what hydro dipping is, you basically sand it, you give it a white coat and then you dip it in ink and water and let it dry. And it's got like this abstract, um, kind of trippy look to it, but it, it makes the, it makes it look unique. And I, I really want to do that because I actually do want to pick up the bass and start learning how to play. You should, uh, you should take it apart sand it off and everything and then epoxy it after you okay. get that, and then you know put it back together and then take it for a setup because yeah. if you do the setup beforehand and you pull it out and you put all that paint and stuff on it it's gonna you know it, it's gonna change a little bit of how the wood is gonna react with everything else so hydro dip first then yeah and make sure you don't hydro dip on the inside where the uh, the neck is as well okay in, because you want that to fit in how it did before yeah and i want it to actually sound good when i play it yeah but that's kind of like a, a project that's going to be in the works pretty soon but yeah bass is bass is very important i i, I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, use a lot of nollies pedals from periphery if they're a bass player because it gets all that clanky sound to it i mean we don't clank all the clank. If you're clanking, you're doing it right. Uh, so I work up at Guitar Center, and we we got this 15 watt bass amp in, right? And yeah. the new Fender Jaguar came out, I guess, or like they had a newer model coming out. And we got one of them, and I hooked it up to this bass amp, and just instantly got that clank with it. So I don't know if it was the bass or the bass amp that did this, but it was sounding sick. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, but anyways, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, thank you all for listening and chiming in. Uh, stay tuned for episode three. We are going to try and do this over a six-week period um, every Sunday. So thank you all for listening and stay metal. Yeah. <laughs>